Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his, the work he had been doing so often. Great to see you all. Just to say, um, there's a handout on your tables if you want to follow along. And just to flag up to you, there's also there's a box at the back that, has, that says thoughts, comments, questions or prayer points. That's because we have a discussion time after the sermon uh, here and you might want to just jot something down that you, you, know, you, you, you want to then, as, as, we, as you're listening, that you want to pick up on afterwards that might be helpful for everybody else. Um, so do make use of that if you'd like to. Also, uh, just please do keep your Bibles open. That would be really helpful for both you and uh, myself as we follow along through um, the text. And let me just pray now before we begin and ask for God's help. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who speaks powerfully through your word. Thank you that we see that so clearly in creation. As you made the world, you made it by uh, the power of your voice, and everything came into being. And Father, we do pray now that as we hear your voice through your word, that you would be changing us, that you would be speaking powerfully into our hearts. Father, we pray the same for the children that have just gone out. We, we ask that they would be taught uh, well and faithfully, and uh, Father, that um, their hearts might be enlightened to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Father, please help us, we pray, uh, for uh, our sake and for your glory. Amen. She communicates in sign language using a vocabulary of over 1,000 words. She also understands spoken English and she often carries on kind of bilingual conversations as she responds to uh, signs, uh, responds in signs to questions asked in English. She learns, uh, she's learning letters of the alphabet and she can read some printed words, including her own name. She has achieved high scores in intelligence tests and she's also able to laugh at her own jokes. <coughs> Her name is Coco, and she is a gorilla. Now, I read about Coco in a book that I was uh, given recently, 
And the question that was asked after her description was, so what is the big deal about being a human being? What's the big deal about being human? Is there any difference between us and the animals? I guess in the description of Coco that I just gave, there doesn't sound like much, does there? I don't know what you were thinking as I, as I read that. Perhaps you were thinking about uh, a person. And many people would say, well, there is no difference between us and the animals. Now, Genesis chapter 1 would agree. So we saw last week, didn't we? Everything around us is created God made it. He made it by speaking. And that is true of us. Verse 26 says, God says, said, let us make mankind. Let us make mankind. Verse 27, so God created mankind. Like the animals, we are just creatures. And yet, our passage this morning is the very climax of creation... So it's the end of of, of what's going on. And as we we see God completing his work with us, the people of the earth, we see actually there is one big and vital difference between us and the animals. That is, unlike the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the animals on the earth, we are created in God's image. Verse uh, 26 Uh, God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And so in that respect, we are completely unique. It means that, that, that we're made to show something of God. We're made in his likeness. So it's, it's a bit like, uh, being a statue for God. Uh, here is one of the queen. Um, I think it's in Canada. And this is obviously not the queen herself, but it's made in her likeness. It images her. It shows us what she is like. And that is how we are made. We are made in the image of God. We show something of him. Now, that doesn't mean, I don't think, that we are a physical representation of God. Uh, so God, in his essence, is not, is not a physical being. And so... We image him much more in terms of character, and particularly how we relate to the rest of creation. And in our passage this morning, it simply tells us what that looks like. It tells us what it means for us to image uh, God, to be made in his image. And so the question for us really is, is not so much, is there any difference between us and the animals? It is, do we know who we are? Do we know who we are? Do we know who we were made to be? And I think that's a helpful question, isn't it? Because so often I don't think we do know. Yet that's why we try to be whatever we want to be. That's why we, we chase after things that we think will make us happy, but they never really seem to bring any happiness. That's why we think freedom is found in making our own choices but our own choices never actually set us free. Only as we know who we are 
and we know our place in this world, can we then live as we were supposed to, as people made in the image of God? Can we actually be who we were meant to be? And what we see this morning is that means four things for us. It means we're rulers. It means we're in relationship. It means we have responsibility. And all of that comes under the reign of God. Those are the four things we see. That's what it means to be made in God's image. It is to be, firstly, made to rule. This is the first thing we see. We're made to rule. We are rulers. So we see here that that this is the purpose of God making us in his image. He, He makes us so that we might rule over the rest of creation. And you see it there in verse 26, really clearly. Do you, do you see? Have a look at down at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the ground, uh, sorry, all the creatures that move along the ground. So you see, God has given us this unique status above the rest of creation, that we should rule over it. Now, I guess that's why Genesis 1 is written the way it is. We saw last week, we didn't go into this, but we saw it very clearly, that the author of Genesis 1 is not concerned with complex science. He could say so much, couldn't he? He could say so much about science and astrology and all the depth and detail about the molecules and the atoms and all this kind of stuff that exists that we don't quite... Well, at least I don't understand. But he simply tells us about the plain things of creation. He says, God made the land and the sea and the earth. He made the sun and the moon and he also made the stars. You know, we, we, we get this. We, we realise this. We, we see these things around us. And that is because God wants us to know that actually, very simply, he made all of these things for us. We are given a position to rule over what we see around us. Now, in that sense, we are much less like uh, statues of God, aren't we? Um, So we saw this this statue of the Queen, but we're not like that. We, We have an active role. We have a living role in how we image God. So it's much more like being Prince William. You know, you're you're given this royal status and you are a ruler of the land, and you carry out royal duties on behalf of the queen. Will we do the same for God? We, we are made to rule on, on, on his behalf. And so for all the similarities we have with Coco the gorilla, actually, look, the bottom line is we, we rule over her. We rule over all the wild animals. And for all that we might be amazed by um, I don't know if you, you've seen the, the pictures captured on Blue Planet, that kind of TV series. Actually, we rule over the fish of the sea. We've been given authority over creation, over the animals. Now, that might not sound like a very attractive idea. It might not sound like a good thing. And that's probably because our idea of Ruling, our, when, we, when we say that word, our idea of authority is, is twisted. We'll, we'll think about that in a few minutes. We, we have no problem with ruling. We always rule. We just do it badly. But for now, 
what we see is ruling should be a good thing because we're made in God's image. So we should rule like he does. And in chapter 1, all we see is God providing for and blessing his creation. He looks upon his creation and he sees that it's good, it's perfect. And that surely means that our rule should look like caring for creation rather than exploiting it, rather than destroying it and wasting it. It should look like keeping the world in order rather than making it a mess. I guess that's why we, you know, we find satisfaction, don't we, in the little things like just like cutting the grass. You know, there's something just satisfying about doing that and, and looking out and seeing your garden in order. Even as we do the small things like that, we show something of God's own character. We image him. Now, on the flip side, I guess it's so disheartening, isn't it, to see a, a, a big company just throwing chemicals into the sea just to make money. We know there's, there's, there's something not quite right about ruling in that way. There is something in our makeup about ruling like God's good and perfect rule. But we were never meant to do that simply as individuals. That's who we are. We are rulers. But we're not rulers on our own. Here's the second thing we see that we're made for relationship. We are made for relationship. Made for relationship. That's the second thing we see this morning. Now, this shouldn't surprise us at all uh, because God is a God of relationship. So verse 26, um, if you look uh, down there again uh, and look closely, God says, let us make mankind in our image. Not let me make mankind in my image. Okay, he is Father, Son, and Spirit. We see that right at the beginning of Genesis 1. So three persons, all equally God, but different in person. That's who God is. And so for us to truly image him, we are made in relationship with others, equal in our being, and each different and unique. And here we see that, that in the beginning, God creates us differently in relationship. He creates both man and woman. Just have a look at verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So two types of people that we we still very obviously see today, male and female. Now, look, we'll explore this uh, uh, more in a few weeks' time as we, as we look at the, the specific issue of transgender. But it's worth saying now that gender difference here is a good thing. It's the way we image God. God so, more than that, God looks at all that he has made. Verse 31, he says, this is very good. Male and female, is really, that's very good, he says. Now, at the moment, our culture says male and female is bad. That is to be denied, it is to be changed. But here it seems that male and female is something to be celebrated. It's something that's perfect, it's good. 
And not just good in and of itself, but God's intention is that male and female would come together in relationship and reproduce. Have a look at verse 28. So God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So you see, God gives, com- uh, gives a command that later on we realise this is Adam and Eve he's, he's speaking to, but he says to them, fill the earth so that the whole community can rule together. And that, of course, is exactly what happened. Adam came first. Yes, there's a period of time when he's on his own, but that wasn't good, so Eve then came, and then what happened? They reproduced. They were fruitful and they increased in number. And every individual that came from them was then made in relationship with others around them, male and female, and they came together to reproduce. And constantly throughout Genesis, this is what happens. And God's people are constantly told to be fruitful and increase in number. You know, it's almost as if that needs to happen for God's creation to function as he would have it. And here we are today, each of us, We're made in the image of God, male and female, surrounded by others. And the point is that God's intention was never that we would rule on our own, but that we would do so in relationship, that we would be relating to other people around us. We would do it as a community. We were made for relationship. So, never mind the idea of... uh, kind of one prince taking on the role of the queen in his royal status. No, actually, we have a whole royal family doing that, a whole bunch of royals taking on the role of ruling in their own way. A whole population here imaging God together. And I guess whilst that means that ruling the rest of creation rightly is important, the most important part of creation is people. So yes, of course, we hate to see chemicals tipped in the sea, we hate to see forests destroyed and wildlife distinct, but all the more with human life. You know, consider the case of um, David and Louise Turpin this week. I I don't know if you caught that, that story on the news, but they, they, a couple who held captive and starved and tortured their 13 children. I don't know quite know for how many years. But we hear about this, and you know, everyone, I'm sure everybody is deeply disturbed by that because their children are children. They are made in the image of God, as is everyone. You know, this verse is a basis for human rights. Every human being is made equally in the image of God. And so we should treat every human being as equals. Even though each of us is different. So even when a human being seems to have a lesser quality of life, they are still made in the image of God. And more than that, I think the Bible calls us to think of others more highly than we do ourselves. That is, that when we... You know, that is really when we begin, begin to image something of God's own character. Not just when we're settled for treating people equally, but actually we think more of them. And so, every time we're tempted to think more of ourselves, well, you know, 
to stop listening to someone, to, to become angry with a child, to, to find our parents a burden, to look down on, on someone because their circumstances are worse. It's helpful, isn't it, to remind ourselves, look, this person was made in the image of God. This person is equal to me. This person was made to rule the earth with me. This is who they are and this is who I am. I am in relationship with them. They are equal to me. Now that just changes things, doesn't it? As soon as we start to look at people in that way, it changes the way we are towards them. And I guess for us to even begin to do that, we need to be in relationship with others. That doesn't necessarily mean we have to be married to them or, 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 or reproduce. The, 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 truth is, the truth that we see here is that, that we're not made to isolate ourselves. We're not supposed to be uh, individuals who, who just who cut ourselves away. You know, consider the, the, the guy who... Um, uh, just seeks one promotion after another at work, convinced that, that uh, if, more, if he gets more money, that will just bring him and his family happiness. And sure enough, you know, Christmas is provided for in abundance, um, but as he works more and more hours and gets more and more wrapped up in, in his work, actually his family become more distant to him. And as a, as, as a family, actually, they're not more happy, they're less happy. Yes, they've got all that they need, all that they would ever want. But it doesn't promise them the happiness they think it will. And yet they're stuck in it, chasing it all the time. You know, it, it, it will never promise, it will never deliver. And so on the flip side of that, that's, that's why, isn't it, that when, whenever we see relationship, actually we long for it. You know, we, we love a, a TV series like Friends. I don't know if you are old enough to remember that, but basically it was about a group of adults who spent a lot of time together, and they were friends. And they weren't kind of isolated in their work or their technology. They weren't on their kind of smartphones all the whole time. I don't think they were invented at that point. But you just saw them with one another the whole time. And whether that's realistic or not, more than anything, we look at it and we long for the kind of relationships that they had. Now the reason is that that is who we are. We are made for relationship. We're not created on our own. You know, we were made for real people and real friends. And I I really hope we see something of that at this church. Okay, we might not spend hours just kind of knocking around in a coffee shop together, but Actually, the idea of spending time with one another's homes, knowing one another's daily lives, well, being with one another, you know, despite all our differences, that, that's what we're made for. That's who we are. We were made for relationship. Now, to truly be who we are doesn't just mean that we, we need to be in relationship. Also, we need to go about those relationships in the right way. And here's the next thing we see, that we are to take on responsibility. So the third thing we see this morning is that we are made with responsibility. We are made with responsibility. So this is, this is what we see as, as God hands creation over to us. 
It's, it's given over to us, and then we have a responsibility specifically to use what we have in our relationships. Just have a look at verse uh, 29. So then God said, <clears throat> I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So God is going to provide food for his people. That's kind of what he's, he's promising there. And in the very next verse, verse 30, he also tells us how he's going to do that for the other living creatures. So he'll provide food for them as well. He, it says in verse 30 that he'll provide plants for them to eat. Now, on one level, you could think, well, does that mean that we're the same as, as the creatures? But, but actually, when you look at those verses next to each other, you'll notice a couple of key differences. The first is that God speaks directly to us. He doesn't speak directly to the animals. The second is, he doesn't just hand us the food we need. Okay, he does that to the animals. He said, you're gonna, you just have plants for, for food. But what he does is he gives us every seed-bearing plant and fruit. And the implication is that mankind will need to work to farm with what they are given in order to survive. In a way that the animals are not, we are given a particular responsibility with our resources. So in one sense, what, 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 what's going on here is we're, 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 we are continuing the creative work, work of God. So God obviously made the plants and, and the trees and the seed-bearing plants, but he so designed it that we're able to produce more of what was originally made. And we have a responsibility to do that. That's why he's telling us that. He wants us to do that. Now, it's striking here, isn't it, that, that here everything is given to the first man and first woman. So we read there in verse 29, have a look at that again. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Clearly, that is not just meant for them. They're not to meant to kind of hoard everything on the earth. No, they're to use it for the good of others, and, and as is the rest of the population, as they increase in number. Yeah, you're meant to use these resources for other people, not just hoarding them to ourselves. Now, I guess that's what you would expect, isn't it, of people made to rule amongst others, wouldn't you? It's certainly the case of the royal family. I, th I think it may have been um, uh, Queen Victoria, correct me if I'm wrong, um, this, might, this might be the case, but somebody, some royal, once used to say to her children, royal privileges, royal manners. Royal privileges, royal manners. And the point is, look, if you're going to take this role on, then you also need to take responsibility. You are obliged to perform duties for the good of those around them. That's the, that's the case of the royal family. And I think that is what it means for us to rule. It's not just to care for creation, but it's to use it as God intended. I also think that's what it means for us to be fruitful. It's not something that simply is kind of bound up in childbirth. It's using the resources that we have for others around us, for the good of others. Now here we see specifically that mankind has that responsibility with the provision of food. 
Of course, we praise God for the, the people, and there, there are many, that, that do that today, who plant and grow and package food and transport it for us to enjoy. But for many of us, I guess we don't do that. You know, and, and there is a broader application there just for us being responsible. You know, with whatever God has given us, using those resources, not, not just for ourselves, but actually for those around us. Now, at the very least, I guess that helps us, doesn't it, to take a really positive view of work, you know, whatever our work may be. But, you know, there will always be a part of our job that we don't like. Uh, that's certainly the case after the fall, that the, the promise is that work is going to be hard. But actually, because we're made with responsibility, because that's who we are, we're responsible people, actually... You can view that differently, can't you? You can look at an aspect of work and think, okay, I don't enjoy this, but the question is not how am I going to kind of get through this, how can I use this for the good of others? How can I do this to benefit the people around me? Think about um, the, uh, we're talking about this at home group on, uh, during the week, think about all the mundane tasks at home. You know, all the things that seem so pointless You ask yourself, why am I doing this? Well, actually, we begin to view them differently with responsibility. The tidying up the mess will just benefit others in so many ways. And I'm made with that responsibility, and so I should take it. Now, as we head in chapter 2, we see that this is particularly the case with men. They are given responsibility for the well-being of their own family. And so if you're a man here, you need to sort that out. You need to take responsibility, not be useless or passive. You know, make sure your family flourish spiritually. Open the Bible with your kids, pray with your wife. I get that that can be hard, but it's your responsibility. So you need to do it. You know, give yourself, give yourself to the eternal well being of your family. And I think so often, you know, we we have this mindset that's convinced that actually if I do take responsibility, if I give myself, then I'm going to lose out somehow. But look, that's never the case. Because this is who you are. You are someone with responsibility. And so as you plough yourself into the good of the others around you, you will only find satisfaction and joy. That is how we were made. Now, the only way we're going to be able to do that, or anything that we, we've said, is, is by, by well, or responsibility specifically, sorry, is, is, is by realising that everything we have is a gift. Yet everything I have, it doesn't actually belong to me in the first place. It's never ours. We're, we're, we're given everything, and so we're then to use it for the good of others. And the only way we'll be able to, to use our gifts with wisdom is to know that we are made under God's reign. And this is the final thing we see this morning. We're made under God's reign. Last thing we see. Made under God's reign. So as human beings, we've been given this special position in the world. We image God himself. But here's the thing, that does not make us God. So yes, we're unique but we're still creatures. 
And so we rule only under God's reign as king. And we see this as God completes his creation. Okay, so what he does is he gives all of his creation to us, gives us responsibility for it, and then he sees everything was really good in verse 31. And in chapter 2, verse 1, we effectively then see the conclusion of this. Have a look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Everything is done. It's finished. And we then see the result. Have a look at verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. <clears throat> now, for, for God to rest doesn't mean that he sits back and just does nothing. Okay, it, 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 Perhaps like we would after getting a job done. Now, the rest of the Bible tells us that he's constantly sustaining creation. So, in one sense, he never stops working. But here, it just means that his, the work of bringing creation into being has stopped. And that's so significant that to mark it, God blesses this seventh day. Just have a look at verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. So what he does is he sets this one day apart. He makes it holy. It is a day to mark the completion of creation. Now, as we go on in the Bible, what we see is this is a day that's not just set apart for, for, by God. It's actually it's given, clearly, as a command to be kept by God's people. So this appears later on in the Bible, in the middle of the Ten Commandments. And I tell you this because the idea there was not that the people did nothing on that day. It was that they would love and serve others, and here's the key thing, that they would remember that God is king over creation. That on that day they would worship the God who reigns over them. And I, I, I think that is the truth that God wants us to recognise here, that him finishing his creation means he reigns over it. Now, it's not that he wasn't king before, but now he, there's a whole world that should rightly worship him as the creator. Now, whether you think that we still need to keep a special Sabbath day or not, does not alter the fact that actually we should be just worshipping God as king because that is who he is. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about a Sabbath rest that is still to come. And what it's referring to is a whole eternity. That's how it defines rest. A place where we're, where we're with God, praising him and living for him as the king that reigns forever and ever. And so clearly now as a church, that's what we should be doing. As a reflection of what's going to happen in eternity, we should be worshipping God the creator who reigns over his creation as the king that he is. We are then made under God's reign. That is who we are. We're people under him as king. So yes, we're like the royal family. We're given special privileges 
special duties. But there are many in the royal family, and there is only one queen. And they all operate under her reign. And it's the same with us. And you know, that is actually the only way that we can rule over this creation rightly. It's the only way we can be in relationship with others and take responsibility. It's when we acknowledge that we are creatures under God's good reign. Now that sounds really perfect, doesn't it? It it sounds, everything we've seen sounds so good, and that's right because this is the beginning of creation. It was perfect. It was all very good indeed, verse 31. But here's the thing, we, we, we look around and we see, don't we, that actually everything's a bit backwards. Now, it's not that it's destroyed, that there's enough of the image of God left in people to see good in them. You know, this world is not in total chaos, but we also know that it's not quite as it was meant to be. You know, it's, it's a bit like, a, if you imagine it, a beautiful picture that you've got, you've got it framed there and somebody's just kind of come up to it and scribbled all over it. You can still kind of see the picture, but it's clearly ruined. And so we're often confused about who we are. So our culture says to us, doesn't it, well, be your own person. Do whatever makes you happy. You're free. As if that will make things right. And yet what do we see? Well, we see that we rule abusively the companies do tip chemicals into the sea. We see that our relationships are shallow and they're self-centered. And we run from responsibility. And our problem is that rather than knowing our place, knowing who we are under God's reign, actually we've taken the reign. You know, it's not even as if we've just ignored God. You never just think that he doesn't exist. In chapter 3, it says, actually, we take his throne. We think we rule. And so everything is turned upside down. And the tragedy is that as fallen people, we cannot undo what has been done. We cannot repair that. As much as we look to be good stewards, as as much as we look to try and do the right thing and fix things and take responsibility, actually we just cannot remake ourselves. We cannot fix this world. But here's the good news for us, that God in his grace has started to do that. And so if you want to know who you are meant to be, If you want to know your place in this world, don't look to yourself. Don't look to others around you. Look at Jesus Christ. Because he is a man who imaged God perfectly. If you want to know what it means to to love God and love others, look at Jesus. And you will see not just what you should be, who you should be, but you see very clearly that you're not the king. And more than that, you will see that he came to remake us. So he lived for God and then he died for our sin so that we might be given a new life and then slowly transformed into the image of God. Now look, if you're not a Christian here, this is what you need. 
You know, being a better person won't count for anything, ultimately. You need to go to Jesus so that you not only know who you are, but you're remade into who you are always meant to be. And if that's right, then this, this helps us, doesn't it, to then function as a church. So, of course, as people who know God, we want to rule over creation rightly. We, we, will, we will want to invest in relationships. We will want to take responsibility. But the way we do that, the way we help one another to do that, is by pointing one another towards Christ. So that actually, as individuals, we might know our place. That we might be transformed slowly into the image of God. And as a church, that we will better reflect the new and perfect creation to come where we will glorify God under his reign together and forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you that he shows us what it means to be made in the image of God. And Father, we pray that as we see him and look at him, we would be people who rule well in relationship, taking responsibility for our actions and our resources. Father, we pray that as we do that, we would not only glorify you as individuals, but we would also do so as a church and constantly be reminded of the great and perfect and new creation to come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.